Welcome to the Ripe Labs podcast. I'm Alan Davies, the Ripe Labs editor, and this is the first of a brand new season of episodes for 2024. In the coming months, we'll be exploring future technologies for the internet, new developments in the world of internet measurements, and a whole range of other topics that are sure to be of interest to the internet community. Before we get going, one quick reminder. If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please do subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever your favorite podcast platform is, and do rate the episodes. This is a big help when it comes to figuring out what our listeners might want to hear more about in future episodes. So let's get into the first episode of the season where my colleague Anastasia Pack talks to Andre Grilu and asks how the technical community might prepare itself for a future of quantum computing. If you have like a big enough quantum computer that it's fault tolerant, you can actually decrypt this encryption scheme in just maybe in a few minutes, in half an hour, like in maximum one hour. And this opens up a lot of uh, very bad stuff that attackers can do. If someone is trying to catch our communication, he can be just eavesdropping the information, right? So he can be connected to the network and eavesdropping everything, even though it is encrypted. And the best part is that this is even legal. I met Andrea, CEO of Quantum Nova, during a web summit in his home country, Portugal, last November. The summit was attended by many, many technology companies offering solutions to current and future problems for the way we use the Internet. Talking with Andrea, I got curious about the work Quantum Nova has been doing to protect companies against potential risks that would emerge in a post-quantum world. Quantum technologies may bring with them a lot of benefits, but they also pose risks, especially to cybersecurity, as they will have the power to break current encryption algorithms. Post-quantum cryptography or quantum encryption is aimed at the development of systems that protect organizations against quantum threats. More about it in our conversation with Andre. Hi, Andre. Thank you very much for joining the Ripe Labs podcast. Before we delve into the discussion about post-quantum cryptography and cybersecurity and quantum technologies, I would like to know how did you actually get involved in quantum computing? So, hello, everyone. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Quantum technologies was always something like a buzzword for me, as well as something that catched my interest because... I don't know, it's just, it's not something that is completely obvious, you know? It's something, it's a field of research that is still trying to grab innovation every single year. For myself, when I started to have this uh, major interest in quantum technologies, I was around 17 years old, I believe, when I was still in high school and uh, I was uh, learning physics. Back then it was called modern physics and it was one subject of that field called quantum physics. And uh, when I studied that, I found it like very interesting that you can do stuff in the quantum realm that... Uh, like in uh, our physical realm, your normal realm, realm, it's a bit like almost science fiction, right? So quantum entanglement, quantum teleportation. There was one uh, uh, assignment that uh, the professor told us to do was uh, something like you, you have to write a text of something that it's very interesting in, in the quantum realm. So like a theory in the quantum physics, elementary th- theory. And back then, I was also very interested in astronomy. And um, we, in another subject, we are, we, are, we are being teached about the Big Bang. Using that, I wrote like this big assignment <laughs> that I was trying to prove that our universe does not exist by quantum mechanics. In my master's degree in cybersecurity, I went back to quantum computing. And then again, my interest was catched on again. Uh, I, I went to do some personal investigations. Uh, where I, I, I understood that quantum key distribution is something that is really interesting and could have some very, very practical real-life applications regarding security and uh, optimization of the internet protocols regarding these big data sending packets and stuff. 
Yeah, that's great. So apart from being uh, a science fiction, what is actually <laughs> quantum computing? And I think the most important question is what are its superpowers? Uh, regarding this question, I could I could be here not all day, but all week, you know. Quantum computers is just like, is something that, that can have a lot of very, very major implications regarding security, but also very good advantages regarding, uh, you know, other stuff, uh, such as optimization of a lot of algorithms that we have nowadays, and also regarding medicine and the simulations fields, they're a very good benefactor to to that as well. But regarding security, there's two ways to, to look at it, okay? So you have the, the threat side. So what the Shor's algorithm and Groover algorithm can do to our cryptography protocols nowadays, okay? So nowadays we typically use some protocols called RSA, which is a asymmetric encryption method that we use everywhere. We are using on this call, for example, that I have my own private key, my public key, and you as well. And we can exchange information using this protocol this way. Regarding how Shor's algorithm can affect this is because like the creation method of our keys is regarding a principle that use very large prime numbers. So uh, around the, the factor of 10 to the power of 100, kind of large. It's really, really large. The whole idea behind this is that you can exchange the keys super fast, but if someone catches the communication between, it's going to be very hard. Not, not impossible, but very hard. Like so hard, it becomes unpractical for an attacker to try to break our communication and retrieve the information. It's, it's just too much effort. So the whole concept is like you have a N that equals a P times Q. It's a simple equation, okay? Where the P and Q are the numbers that you rely on to create the private keys and the N is the number that you rely on to create your public key. So the N is public. So everyone knows about N. But the whole idea is that if you catch N, it's very hard to retrieve the P and Q. Just for you to understand, it will take around with like a super fast supercomputer around 10, 10 to the power of 60 years. So the, our universe exists to the 10 to the power of 10. And now regarding the Schwarz algorithm. So Schwarz algorithm, if you, you have like a big enough quantum computer that it's fault tolerant, which is a also a, a challenge in quantum computing fields, you can actually decrypt this encryption scheme in just maybe in a few minutes, in half an hour, like in maximum one hour. Yeah, obviously you can see this is a very, like it's a very short time to just secure a key. And this opens up a lot of very bad stuff that attackers can do, right? So for example, you have the SNDL or store now decrypt later attacks, okay? So very briefly explained, if you am, I'm communication with, communicating with you right now by Zoom and using this uh, asymmetric key encryption scheme, right? So if someone is trying to catch our communication, he can be just eavesdropping the information. So it can be connected to the network and eavesdropping everything, even though it is encrypted. And the best part is that this is even legal because it is encrypted. Like you cannot do anything with that data. But what he can do is he can store it like a server in a data lake, whatever. And in maybe five to 10 years time, he can have access to a powerful enough quantum computer and break the whole encryption scheme and have the full access to our communication. So he can see me, he can see you, he can see the message that we're exchanging, he can hear our voices, and then he can do a lot of stuff with it, right? He can create some deep fakes, he can, you know, leak our information because what I'm talking to you could be confidential. It is just like, you know, a podcast that's going to be public. Now imagine like a very, very confidential Zoom call or, um, you know, a very, very confidential email exchange. Regarding the other side, so the good part on, on security, you have quantum key distribution, which is a protocol. I really like the protocol, the BB-84 one. I feel like that's 
you know, that's the future of quantum communications, in my opinion. Regarding quantum distribution, how does it work? It's very hard to explain, so I'm going to make it valid super, super briefly. So you have a lot of stuff that you can do in uh, quantum computers and quantum networks, such as quantum entanglement. The whole idea is that if I create a string of qubits that are entangled with another string of qubits, if I look at the values of my first string, I can absolutely know for sure what's the uh, the values of the second string because they are entangled. So the whole idea is about this, where I can have one string and communicate and you will have a, the, the other string. If I have one and you have another, only me and you will know about these, these values. So with this, you can create the private keys and create a, create a secure communication link by this protocol, okay? Yeah, I know this is was like super brief, but <laughs> if I go too much in detail, it's just gonna become annoying and just, it's, just, it's just too much. It still has a lot of challenges because I cannot really communicate with you using this protocol if you're like 100 kilometers away. Just, it won't work. The threshold of error is just too high. If you are just close enough, for example, in an office or yeah. um, if you're working from home, but still on the town of the headquarters of your company are, it's still possible, yeah. Yeah, but sounds actually quite scary, like the the possibilities that are out there and as the technology is going so fast. But in terms of how fast, how far you think we are from actually the quantum technology outbreak? There's just an optimistic side to this question and the pessimist side. Myself, I'm an optimist guy, so I will go, obviously you can never say for sure, but I will go around between two years and five years the quantum technology outbreak will be powerful enough to decrypt its whole encryption schemes. But you can never say for sure, the investments in quantum computing advancements each are just massive and becoming even more massive as the times goes by. You are an optimist side, so, but why you think quantum is still not here? Uh, honestly, I don't know. You can never know for sure. Like, for example, you, if, if your side, Anastasia, for example, if you already have the quantum computer that is large enough to break all encryption methods, would, would you tell anyone about it? Or just keep it to yourself? Because no one will know. You can just, you know, have access to everything and no one will know. So imagine what government agencies can do. So if you are a government and you have access to this uh, super machine that can decrypt everything, would you say that to everyone? Or just, you know, keep quiet and do your stuff as you want. So you, you don't know. It could be already here. So in my part, uh, re regarding your question, why do I think we haven't come up with a quantum computer this powerful yet. Honestly, it's just because it's, it is really hard. There's a lot of challenges to overcome yet. And um, quantum technology is not, it's not cheap. It's not, uh, not everyone knows how to deal with it. You need some very high expertise people with a lot of time, with a lot of resources to make this happen. Yeah, so you mentioned about the quantum technology, but also I want to understand what is the difference between quantum and post-quantum technologies. I think you briefly explained, but if you could elaborate on your technology that uh, Quantum Nova is offering as well. Quantum Nova is uh, it's a company that uh, is really relies on post-quantum, not really quantum. I mean, this is a spoiler alert, but we are actually investing a lot in quantum stuff as well, but I will get to there a bit later. Post-quantum is not a quantum technology, okay? Post-quantum is that a classical technology that could be applied to your security side of companies to become quantum resilient, but without requiring to go to quantum hardware or so these huge implications of quantum technologies to be secure against quantum attack. RSA protocols rely on this TGN mechanisms that are not quantum safe. Because of this, we already know this for quite some time. Peter Shor invented the Shor's algorithm. I think it was in uh, 94, so long time ago. So a lot of people already know about this. So there's been a lot of uh, efforts to try to 
create another another algorithm that can be quantum safe. There here comes the post quantum, right? So post quantum is just your classical algorithm that can run on your phone, your computer, your laptop, everywhere in servers as well, in cloud providers, it can run everywhere. Okay, but this the key gen mechanism it's completely different. It is typically re relying on lattice based um, mechanics. So yeah, it can. It is quantum safe. So quantum computer cannot decrypt this algorithm, and it works everywhere, right? You, you cannot. You don't need to have this huge transition to quantum hardware to start applying quantum key distribution to become quantum safe, right? You cannot. You don't need to do that. You just, you know, can apply some uh, post quantum security to your security side of the company, and then it's done. For example, a post quantum VPN can be the safeguard to everything, or a post quantum IPsec communications between a lot of endpoints. It could be the, the safe solution to that as well. So that's what we do here in Quantum Nova. So we secure companies against these quantum attacks without having to make this whole full transition to quantum hardware and stuff. So it's way cheaper, it's way faster, and you just become quantum safe. You don't need to change your whole business uh, idea, your whole business infrastructure. No, you don't need to do that. You don't need to change anything. You just need to apply our product and then it's done. But like, how do you, how can you be sure that it's quantum safe? So, uh, yeah, regarding this whole standardization process. So Peter Shor already invented this um, Shor's algorithm in 94. So it was a long time ago. So actually 10 years from now. <laughs> so, so, sorry, not 10, 20 years from now. Actually, 30, 30. 30 years from now. My God, my my math my math is all over the place today, and uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of investment to, to a lot of very smart people and uh, some mathematicians and cryptographers to make an alternative solution to the RSA protocol. Okay, so with these groups trying to come up with something, there's uh, been like this uh, standardization process that uh, you know is they basically submit the algorithm and they go through a lot of tests, like really really a lot of tests. They have to be super sure that that is really, really secure before making it a standard. So 20 years after the protocols have been submitted, it was around 73 protocols. Four of them are now considered to be post-quantum security algorithms and the standard to be applied and commercially available to everyone. These four algorithms are the Kyber, the Delitium, the Falcon, and the Sphinx, Okay, which the Kyber is a key encapsulation mechanism, so a CAM, how people call it, and the Falcon, Delitium, and Sphinx are uh, digital signatures, which in my opinion, the most interesting one is the deleting one because it's just more efficient. I believe in my, my own opinion, it's a bit more secure than the other ones, but I could be wrong. I just, you know, uh, in my tests, I found that that deleting could be a more interesting approach to digital, digital sig signatures to everyone. That's what we use in my company as well. For me, to be honest, post-quantum cybersecurity sounds like a technological outbreak. But at the same time, it's not something that everyone is talking about these days, like AI. How well adopted do you think post-quantum encryption is now? The standards about post-quantum only came out last year. So in February 2023. The whole idea about post-quantum obviously is not that well wide adopted yet, just because the standards have come out like not that long ago. It wasn't even past a year right now. Yeah, regarding your question, no, the it's not being yet widely adopted. It will need to be widely adopted because your company can suffer a lot if it's not post-quantum because of storm out later attacks or, you know, just a standard quantum attack in the future. You need to be prepared against this because uh, a quantum attack is not like a DDoS or a ransomware because those two attacks are very common and very can be very, very harmful. But... You know, you can deal with them. For a ransomware attack, you can have like a backup. A DDoS attack, you just, you know, just reboot your whole infrastructure and then it's fine. But with a quantum attack, I'm talking about a full data leak of your data centers. 
like that's bad that, that's like the the kind of attacks that we're trying to protect companies not only ourselves there's a lot of other companies out there that are making these efforts as well and a european council of cybersecurity is making these financial uh, options to companies in europe that helps them like finance the those these post quantum projects that they're trying to do so actually there's been a lot of efforts to reach out to nist to like please stop make stop saying that rsa is safe because it is safe now, but it's not going to be safe against Stornado Crippletter attacks. So this poses a big threat to companies because you can be installing like your cybersecurity solution and be thinking like, okay, I'm using RSI, this is a standard and I'm fine. But you're not fine. You're fine for now. Maybe like one year time lapse, it, you're not going to be fine. So one year is not like not that much time, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, you touched upon quite uh, scary risks for the cybersecurity <laughs> that the quantum technologies can pose. So I think you already have provided an answer to my next question, and probably the answer is just everyone. But I still want to ask, who would be the most vulnerable in a post-quantum world? Probably the most exposed companies to these kind of threats will be like, um, the how much sensitive data do you have, you know? The most sensitive data you have, the, like, the bigger target you are. I'm talking about uh, military agencies, some very, uh, you know, these big projects kind of companies trying to make something work in a, a big time lapse. So I'm talking about government agencies, financial financial companies, uh, insurance as well, healthcare, obviously, IoT devices as well, just because there are so many of them and uh, the communications are going everywhere. And nowadays you have a lot of, uh, you know, political people trying to communicate using these applications. I'm, I'm, call, um, I'm talking about, you know, your standard application like WhatsApp and uh, your social media as well, because they all obviously rely on RSA to make uh, uh, the communications work as well. So uh, basically the sensitive data holders. Yeah, exactly. exactly yeah. In the next question, I want to talk about regulations that play quite an important role when such evolutionary technologies emerge. I know that the use NIS2 recommends to use cryptography as a protection method, but I'm not sure if there are any mentions about quantum. So are there any regulations that discuss the need for post-quantum readiness in cybersecurity? There's not really uh, an obligation to companies to make this transition. I think it might be a bit earlier to send an obligation like this, but I think it could be interesting to create a deadline. For example, in the United States, in the um, December of 2022, Joe Biden signed an act which, which was called the Quantum Computing Cybersecurity Preparedness Act. Basically, it, they encourage some federal government agencies to adopt technology that will protect them against quantum computing attacks, okay? Which is like more of something that you can say, like, please do it. It's very, like, it's a very good practice that you start to become post-quantum, but no obligation factor there yet. I'm pretty sure it's going to come out anytime now. It just hasn't come out yet. Regarding Europe, as I said before, there's a lot of this, you know, I think it's called uh, Digital Europe. This is like an organization that helps uh, companies in Europe to become more modern, more uh, upgraded. And, and they use these funds to help companies fund their projects and becoming more modern. Yeah, so now it's basically based on just creating awareness and for the people to yeah. to know this in advance, yeah. Yeah, honestly, in my opinion, I don't really agree just regarding the Stornado Group letter attacks. It's just, it's a very bad attack. Like, if a company suffers this attack, they're going to lose a lot of money and the business can be can go south very, very fast. But yeah. Honestly, I understand as well, because like, if you go to a very big company, let's say like a very big bank, and you want to exchange their cryptography protocols to a post-quantum one, okay? You can do this. Obviously, it's practical. It can happen today. But 
if you think with me it's a bit it's it's nothing that you can do it overnight you know it's something that it take going to take time just because the client will be always like i don't know a bit too skeptical a bit concerned but because you are actually like trying to change something that is there if in their infrastructure like for decades the client is always gonna you know like mm, i'm not sure uh, just let's just take this slowly try to do this in a in development environment some testing environment before actually trying to do this in production and even if you go to production it's gonna not gonna be all channels you're gonna like make this like super secure zone with post quantum for example trying to communicate with your with your backup servers right because in backup, you're like you're putting like entire company information in one single channel from one server to another. So if that's gonna if that's a, that's an under attack, like the whole company data is gonna be leaked, like the whole company. So that's a very big threat. Since the Rep Labs podcast focuses on the internet uh, for the internet professionals, I want to ask you about the connection between quantum network and quantum computing. Quantum network and quantum computing. It's obviously like. Uh, they are holding hands, right? So one be- one exists because of the other. The the difference is that uh, quantum computers are uh, something that has a quantum processor, right? So you basically perform uh, quantum logic operations uh, inside of a box. <laughs> and quantum networks, you exchange this information inside an, uh, uh, of these kind of protocols in a network, okay? So the same way that internet works nowadays for classical computers, you have some computers and then you have the network where you, computers can connect with uh, to each other to exchange information. Yeah, quantum networks has a lot of a lot of advantages, in my opinion. Obviously, it's going to be the future of the communications. Just regarding security, it's just so more advanced, but they still have a lot of challenges to overcome. But some possible advantages will be um, you have the secure communications with quantum chaos solution. So using quantum mechanics to safely secure your data in transit, uh, it's a huge advantage what we have nowadays. Also, you have some, yeah, of course, some very interesting topic like clock synchronization. This can be something that people don't really understand, but clocks inside computers are super important, okay? And having this synchronization of clocks in nowadays with our technology, the classical technology, it's it's really hard because you could lose a lot of information in this, inside of a network because of errors. And you will eventually lose the synchronization of a clock by even if it's just like a fraction of a second, it could have a lot of implications in some applications, like some software that you use nowadays. So in quantum technologies, this is this becomes like really easier uh, because uh, the quantum communications is like um, let's just say a bit more accurate regarding these kind of uh, protocols. So the clock clock synchronization one is a big deal as well. And so for example, also. You have some very interesting approaches regarding distributed systems that you can have like more accurate consensus protocols regarding data distributed in the clouds, okay? Which is something like really, really powerful. Even, I don't really want to go to this topic, but in blockchain technologies could be something that's really, really interesting as well. I don't I don't want to go there just because it's still something that is has a lot of <laughs> benchmarks. So not benchmarks, a lot, has a lot of uh, challenges yet to overcome as well. So putting quantum there is a bit uh, too early. But yeah, it's something that could have some very interesting applications as well. I, I guess the biggest challenge that we have to overcome is really the, the communication distance. For example, you said that you are in Greece, right? So our communication is just impossible. If you have a quantum technology com- communication, it will be yeah. impossible. You are just too far away. There are solutions to this, okay? So there's actually like, a, I think it's something very interesting to talk about. It's called the quantum repeater, which is... Very, very easy to explain, actually. <laughs> I know it's quantum, but it's very, very easy. So we have this method called quantum entanglement, right? Let's just say, for example, I have like a qubit, right? Uh, let's say I have a qubit, which is this pen, okay? I want to send this pen to you. 
how can I do this? Okay. So basically what I'm going to do is I can entangle this pen to like to, to this pen. Okay. So the yellow one. Okay. And this yellow one, I can send it in this quantum communication channel. Okay. To make things easier, let's say that we are 200 kilometers apart. I forgot about this, but yeah, 200 kilometers. Okay. So this uh, yellow pen, which is the same thing as this uh, blue pen, I will send it to the, this quantum channel network to a quantum repeater, which is just 100 kilometers away from me, which is still possible. This protocol can work in 100 kilometers. And after that, this quantum repeater will grab this pen and by a quantum teleportation protocol, which is something like super awesome, but it's going to take a long time to explain. But yeah, it's something that you can do is actually basically not to really copy, but transfer information from this qubit to another one. Okay, now let's just say it is still uh, yet this yellow pen, and the quantum repeater will send this to the uh, to by an endpoint to the your computer, and then you can read and measure the information and do whatever you want with it. So basically, I safely exchange a quantum information by quantum entanglement and quantum teleportation to somewhere which is your location, which is two hundred kilometers apart, and this happens like extremely fast, like uh, it's a fraction of a second. This is very very fast. And I found that like that's that's awesome, you know. Like you just exchange quantum information from very far away, and uh, yeah, this is something that it's really really powerful in quantum networks. The RepNCC has been involved in organizing quantum internet hackathons, partnered with the Quantum Internet Alliance, and uh, I read on their website that they engage with different parties to develop real-world quantum internet use cases, and some of these are secure quantum computing in the cloud that allows users accessing quantum computers through a secure cloud network or communication through quantum encryption. What is the connection between quantum encryption and your solution? At the moment, I think quantum is a bit too fancy. Uh, people don't really want to invest that much money in quantum hardware. I mean, people, your standard company, right? So financial companies, government companies, uh, military ag agencies as well, insurance, uh, fintech as well. They don't really want to invest in quantum hardware because it's just not their business. They don't really care about this quantum stuff. They don't really care about this quantum key distribution, which myself, I, I found it like awesome. It's it's really, really nice. They don't really care. Just, they, they just want to become post-quantum safe at the lowest price possible. So there, that's where post-quantum becomes very, very interesting, okay? Because you don't need to change anything on your business. You just become quantum safe. If you try to, to buy some quantum hardware, you need to apply these quantum repeaters like everywhere everywhere in your business, okay? And if you have remote workers, that's going to be a problem because you, don't, you will not have access to this quantum uh, communication zone. Honestly, like if a quantum computer becomes uh, powerful enough to break uh, RSA protocols like tomorrow, it will become a trend like very, very fast. Uh, but in my experience and what I found uh, talking with a lot of people, I found that quantum key distribution is not going to be a trend at least for some time. I think it's a bit too early to to do this transition, which is a shame. Uh, honestly, I think like eventually I would love to quantum case distribution to become something a bit more training, but I think it's just too early. In my opinion, post-quantum is the highest candidate to become a trend in a very recent time. And I think now I want to talk about other trends in cybersecurity. And in particular, I want to talk about AI because everyone talks about AI now and generative AI, which I believe could be as much harmful for the cybersecurity as it can be useful. So what are the trends in this direction? Yeah, of course, AI, <laughs> AI is a bit everywhere right now. Like uh, 2023 was the year of AI because of ChatGPT came out. No one was really expecting it. And, uh, you know, it changed everything everywhere. 
and uh, it's still changing a lot of stuff nowadays. Regarding cybersecurity, uh, obviously, it's going to change a lot of things as well because you can automate a lot of stuff. You can make a lot of stuff go faster and easier for companies without requiring requiring that much people, so human resources, to be applied there as well. So, yeah, regarding cybersecurity, yeah, uh, you can do a lot of stuff with uh, this AI. Generative AI, really, as well, like you can just create these uh, automated attacks. You can make uh, this... Um, optimize the tax as well and uh, the pen test becomes super fast <laughs> super easier super cheap as well because pen tests are typically very very expensive to do inside of companies ai it can do that for you extremely fast and then if some new vulnerability came out you just need to change a bit of your code on your ai and then it's done and you can just apply again and retry it and test it again and you know the, the tests are so so much faster, and they, they are still very accurate. Typically, a hacker is not an AI, right? Typically, a hacker is still a person. So if you try to uh, imitate a person behavior with an AI, even though it's cheaper and it could work, I still like the traditional way to actually hire someone to do the pen test, so the you know the more human version. But I I still think this AI approach can be something very very powerful, especially to like smaller businesses because you can do it super cheap. And it's done, and then you know the vulnerabilities, and you can fix them, and it becomes uh, safe. So even like if one or two vulnerabilities come out, like uh, not, it's just passed by a bit more undetected. It's still something that you can do very easily because the other part will be like you don't test it at all because it's too it's too expensive, and then all the vulnerabilities will be there, and then it's a bigger problem. Uh, it's a very groundbreaking technology for cybersecurity. Absolutely, there has been some rumors about an hybrid approach in quantum and AI attacks. It's called the hybrid attacks, hybrid quantum AI attacks. And they say that can be a very, very powerful approach to against this, uh, your standard cryptographic uh, protocols. But they, basically, just because you don't have like a biggest, the biggest quantum computer does not mean that you cannot do these hybrid attacks that can have some very, very uh, interesting applications, sorry, implications to your company. Finally, Andrea. What will be your advice to the internet professionals in terms of protecting the internet in the post-quantum world? Yeah, honestly, I, I think the obviously the, the best one is to stay informed, okay? Keep updated uh, because trends are coming out every day. These uh, news about uh, quantum security are coming out every day as well. And trying to stay informed with the new trends and the new updates of these uh, uh, quantum threats is obviously something yeah, uh, you need to, to be careful. Uh, understand deeply the quantum threat, understand the SNDL attacks, and try to at least uh, make some POCs with your own cryptographic infrastructure of your company. Okay, so try to, for example, create a dev zone, so development zone on your company, just to try to ex uh, make some post-quantum cryptographic uh, uh, communications happen, okay? So create some IPsecs, and then people will, will understand how much better post-quantum is regarding security and, uh, I mean, against the, the counterpart, which is RSI. Rather be safe now than later. Thank you very much, Andre. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And that was the end of the episode. I think my conclusion is that quantum technologies are no longer a science fiction. And let's hope that organizations and companies across different sectors will be ready to protect themselves in the post-quantum world. If you enjoyed this conversation, don't forget to subscribe to the Rap Labs podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Share and leave your feedback. Bye-bye.